This is a big deal. Five North Carolina firefighters took their lives last year. That's, that's five too many. We've got to protect the protectors. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we'll take a closer look at proposed legislation in North Carolina's legislature to help firefighters with cancer and post-traumatic stress. Welcome to Under the Dome. I'm Colin Campbell from the NC Insider. This week, we're taking a closer look at the legislative issues involving first responders, including a long-running effort to help secure help for firefighters battling cancer. Joining me is Scott Mullins, president of Professional Firefighters and Paramedics of North Carolina. He's also a captain with the Asheville Fire Department. Thanks, Scott, for joining me, Scott. Hey, thanks for having me, Colin. Let's start off with the issues surrounding workers' compensation for firefighters who get diagnosed with cancer, uh, often as part of uh, the, the hazards that they face on the line of duty. Why is this such an important issue for firefighters in the state? Uh, well, first of all, North Carolina is one of the last states to have any presumptive cancer coverage for the firefighters. And you know, it's it's something we've been fighting for, uh, been trying to get workers' compensation for cancer for a number of years. But it's very, very difficult to to prove what fire caused our cancer. And that's that's the problem we run into with, with the workers' comp system. Over a career, firefighters will fight thousands of fires. And it's it's just virtually impossible to pinpoint which fire actually caused that cancer. Um, and so that, that takes us up to this year with House Bill 535, which is different th- from before because 535 is more of a cancer fund instead of relying on the workers' comp system. So this fund would be created, which would uh, hopefully protect our firefighters' uh, families in, uh, in financial ways if, if they do get cancer. What are some of the challenges? I know you've spoken in committee about a few of your, your colleagues and, and others uh, in the firefighting profession who have who've battled cancer. What's it like for someone in this situation when they're not able to get workers' comp, when they can't prove that the cancer they got was directed directly due to the things they experienced in the line of duty as opposed to just you know the, the bad luck of the draw that, in which some of us end up contracting cancer? Yeah, and a lot of that depends on the department. I'm fortunate to work in, in Asheville at the Asheville Fire Department, and our department has been great for our firefighters when they've gotten cancer. Uh, we have two right now that have cancer, and we've recently lost two to occupational cancer. And we were able to work with them at our department, but at, in other departments, you know, they only have 12 weeks to, to fight the disease. And so the new legislation would protect firefighters, but it would also help them fight the cancer. You know, fighting cancer is already hard enough for anybody. But if you're if you're having to do that without the financial means, then you're having to choose between taking care of your family, buying clothes for your kids, you know, having decent meals and even paying your mortgage. And this legislation would allow firefighters to do what they need to do, which is fight cancer as hard as they can. And I understand there's actually been some firefighters who have been in a position where they've had to just keep coming to work, even as they undergo chemotherapy and other treatments that just sort of, you know, uh, beat the energy out of you and, and normally would, would keep you at home. Is that right? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's not people that are at the end of their careers that get this. You know, in Asheville, someone we lost was Will Willis. Will Willis was 32 years old when he started fighting cancer. And, you know, when you're that young and new on the job, 
you don't have the sick time building. And so you're, you're trying to come in and do whatever you can to, uh, to keep your time. Will was, was, he lost so much weight and he was coming in and he didn't have the money to, to really battle the disease. And so he was trying different methods and he just kept losing weight and losing weight. And it, it, he was extremely skinny before he finally couldn't do it anymore. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, an awful thing to have to go through. And I, I guess in, in any other sort of occupational hazard, you would have the benefit of the workers comp system. It's just that, you know, it, it's a very specific issue. Is, is there a particular aspect? I mean, obviously you're, you're breathing in a lot of smoke, but any particular aspects of, of the job that has sort of been proven to show higher instances of cancer among firefighters? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the firefighters, it's the fire investigators. Uh, fire investigators are in every single fire that that department has. And so, uh, you know, they're putting that gear on and, and that gear actually has chemicals in it that break down. And so it's not just the new chemicals that are inside these homes, uh, you know, because homes are, are built differently than they were before, but it's also uh, our gear has uh, a product in it that is essentially like Teflon for your pots and pans. Well, that Teflon breaks down, that waterproof barrier breaks down, and your skin, when you're in the fire, will absorb those chemicals. Okay, so there's a, a lot of different factors beyond just um, sort of what, what us non-firefighters imagine is you you know go into a burning building and it's probably not great on your lungs. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with our self-contained breathing apparatus, we're not we're not seeing lung cancer as much. Uh, it's it's more uh, just many different types of the body, and it, it's just hard on us. Yeah, so that probably makes it harder to pinpoint as as occupational if you're going through workers' comp proceedings and, and having to prove, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that this was work related and not just something that happened. That's right, and and we've been able to show um, by line of duty deaths that that cancer caused a firefighter to pass, and the industrial commission has ruled that that firefighters, a number of firefighters, uh, have died from cancer, and so unfortunately. Firefighters are worth more dead than they are alive. Um, you know, if a firefighter dies of occupational cancer, then they're going to give the family $100,000. But while they're actually fighting the cancer, they're not getting any money at all. Wow. So this bill has come up in previous sessions, and it's uh, failed to pass, I think, in part because of cost concerns from local governments. And we've also heard from the League of Municipalities raising constitutional issues that uh, having a sort of rebuttable presumption in these cases would actually treat firefighters different from from other types of workers. Uh, what about the uh, approach to the bill this year uh, makes you more optimistic that this can overcome some of those legislative hurdles uh, and, and actually get through both chambers? Yeah, the league has brought that issue up, and it's an antiquated law from the 50s, which actually doesn't pertain to us, and that has been their argument. Now, that was that was in the past, and even the league is is supporting this this year. And so uh, I do think uh, we've got a much better chance of passing this. We have uh, an, a ton of support in the House, and, and we've got some good support in the Senate as well. And I think the fund being a different type of bill will, will help get this bill across the finish line. Is there a sense for how the fund's been calculated, how that would work, sort of comparable to what you would get if workers' compensation were available um, through sort of the nor normal traditional means? It, it's hard to, to quantify you know, with the workers' compensation system, the fund would, would cost a certain amount per person. And so we can quantify how much that will cost. And, uh, and it's more of an insurance plan. So we'll, we'll know um, what that cost will be to everybody else. 
And is that uh, the idea with that idea is that the state would cover the cost uh, of at least initially setting up the fund, so sort of the cost burden comes off some of the uh, the local governments and is handled at the state level in, in an effort to uh, protect firefighters statewide. That is correct. It would be a uh, it would be a fund that would be created, and the uh, insurance commissioner's office would be in charge of creating that fund starting uh, next year. Uh, you know that the fund would start January first, twenty twenty two. Okay. And is there any sort of hurdles as far as legislatively? Have you heard from lawmakers who are uh, concerned about whether the state can afford to create a program like that? Or, or given the sort of rosy budget picture, are you hopeful that uh, this can be a priority as, as we go through the next few months? I think it's a priority from what we've seen from, from leadership in the House and the Senate. We had, I think, 88 co-sponsors or 88 total sponsors in the House and so I think we're going to be rolling right through. There, there was some creativity in, in how the funds uh, were going to be created. And I think that's going to move through. And we're optimistic with the Senate as well. The Senate uh, was moving legislation. Uh, and so they have an appetite to get some, some cancer legislation for firefighters passed as well. And, and would this fund uh, be primarily for professional firefighters? Or is there a potential to include volunteers as well? This fund will cover professionals and volunteers. Um, the payouts will differ, but it, it will cover both. Okay, so that sort of uh, doesn't end up a situation where if you know you're working for a city government, it comes through uh, hugely differently than if you're in a, a volunteer organization in some rural community somewhere. That's right. So the state will be funding it, and so there won't be that argument that a small town government wouldn't be able to afford this. Uh, so moving on to some other bills, uh, your organization has been really busy this session. It seems like. Um, uh, so I'm sort of curious about uh, some of the other issues. There's another one, sort of also workers' comp related, uh, a bill in the House that's already passed the House. So I guess awaiting uh, action in the Senate, uh, addressing coverage for firefighters and, and various other types of first responders who experience uh, post-traumatic stress as, as a result of their work. Uh, why is that an important need for first responders and firefighters in particular? During a career of a firefighter, they see horrible things, and they're constantly reminded by these horrible things that they see because. W- you know, maybe maybe it happened at this house, and we drive by this house every single shift. And every time you go by that house, you think about what happened there. Be it, you know, I've responded to to murders of children. I've responded to children hanging themselves in the woods. And I know for me, when I go through uh, the neighborhood where the children were killed, I immediately think of of what that that call was like, and it was terrible. Uh, Every time I'm in the woods on a hike, I think about the kid that I had to cut down. And and the kid walked by our firehouse all the time and always waved. And, and I had to cut that kid down out of the tree. And I've been able to cope with it for now. I mean, I, I could have some problems in the future because this stuff just builds and builds and builds on each other. And uh, it we do, we have firefighters that, that haven't been able to make it. We, we have some departments that that don't have uh, special uh, treatments in place so firefighters can be mentally healthy. Um, This is a big deal. Firefighters are, are, uh, five North Carolina firefighters took their lives last year. That's that's five too many. Uh, Over a hundred firefighters took their lives across the United States last year. And so we've got to protect the protectors. Providing mental health um, 
treatment for firefighters is is one of the most important things that that we can do. And I gather this is something that you know, just based on the experience that you just related to me, uh, a significantly bigger problem that would keep you out of work than say if you broke a leg uh, running into a building as part of your work. And, and I gather too from from reading the bill. Um, this perhaps is a little bit easier to prove than, than other things because you would be able to go to a mental health professional and they could establish that, you know, the ex- experience the uh, symptoms you're having are specifically related to these particular life experiences. Uh, you're exactly right. And, you know, and it's, it, there's so many cases all over, uh, last year in Greensboro, a, a new firefighter hung himself and, and the firefighters had to go and, and take him down. And I mean, that's, what a terrible thing to, to have in your department. And, uh, and they, they were able to get some help, but not, a, not all departments are like that. And we need to take care of our people. On a, another sort of uh, health-related note, there's also a bill this session dealing with bans on certain types of firefighting foam. Uh, give us a rundown on that issue for people who aren't uh, following this particular um, environmental and, and health-related uh, concern that y'all have. With not getting too deep in the weeds on, on this chemical is called and and the chemistry behind it. Uh, basically, this type of foam has been linked to cancer, and so we need to keep this foam out of the water. We, you know, we want to keep the citizens of North Carolina safe, and we need to keep the firefighters safe. Uh, this foam needs to be taken out of training and and not used because the high cancer rates are are linked, and it, it is that PFAS chemical that's in there, which is also in in our turnout gear. Yeah, so that's uh, and that that acronym will seem familiar, I think, to anybody who's followed the um, Keymore's uh, Cape Fear River debate uh, about uh, river and water drinking water quality down on the eastern side of the state, but uh, an, an issue related to firefighters as well for uh, some of the same effects. I gather. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and I know North Carolinians want to protect their water. I mean, that's one of the most important things we have, and people want to be able to fish and they want to be able to swim and. And so banning this chemical is not only important to firefighters, but to uh, residents across the entire state. Uh, lastly, I wanted to sort of end on a, a little bit of a, a quirkier note. One of the seemingly odder crossover debates uh, in the last couple of weeks was uh, legislation involving blue lights on fire trucks, um, something that uh, ran up against opposition from law enforcement. I think the, the end result was that you'd gotten a bill through the House, um, but the Senate ended up sort of pulling their version of the bill from the calendar last minute. What's the goal for allowing uh, blue lights on, on fire trucks? And, and how did this become such a controversial uh, issue as you go through the legislative process? You know, when I first heard about this bill and we were talking about it in a legislative firefighter committee, I was thinking, well, yeah, sure. I mean, of course, this is this is good. I mean, I don't want to waste my time on this. But then whereas we're moving along, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are we really having opposition to blue lights? I mean, law enforcement opposing this was was really frustrating. I mean, you know, we're, we're constantly standing up and, and supporting a lot of things that they do. And to hear opposition about blue lights on a fire truck just blew my mind. Blue lights are proven to, to slow people down. Fire trucks are being hit. And so they're, they're going out of service, which is costing cities like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And not only that, but it impacts our safety. Firefighters, just like police officers, get hit on scene as well. If we could put blue lights on the back of a fire engine or fire truck, and they slow people down and, and they save some some lives and property, uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. And uh, there was some early opposition in the House, and then it went right through. And then I heard about some uh, opposition in the uh, in the Senate. And I don't know, maybe it's just because the House bill passed and they, they'll just take that up. 
that seems easy to me. Yeah, and that's all. It sort of comes down to a visibility issue, right? There's there's some sort of science that's indicated that our eyes are are better able to see a, a blue light at night than a red light, uh, and, and recognize that you know you need to obviously uh, take action and, and get out of the way so that the first responders can get where they need to go. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, a lot of police have red lights too, and we're not complaining about that. So yeah, I mean, it's a safety thing. So I know that PBA is in support of it. And uh, I, I would like for the other organizations to jump on board as well. Yeah, and I guess we're not talking about turning fire fr- trucks uh, blue and having exclusively blue lights that look just like police cars on them. This is going to be would be kind of a mix of, of multiple lighting features to to try to make sure that uh, fire trucks can be uh, seen from a solid distance and people can recognize the the need to move out of the way at night. That's right. Uh, we're not trying to pull anybody over, and uh, the lights on the back. So I don't know. If uh, someone's looking in the rearview mirror, they're going to see red lights from the fire truck. If they're driving up on on scene, they're going to see red and blue lights. Hopefully, okay. So that'll be an interesting one to follow to see if uh, if that gets Senate support as well. Uh, lastly, I wanted to sort of end on a little personal note um, because I, uh, you know, a lot of the people that we follow uh, and see in the legislative building a lot are, are professional lobbyists who live in Raleigh and they're down there every day. Um, you're in a sort of a different role because you're working full-time as a firefighter all the way out in Nashville. And I'm sort of curious how you balance that uh, with your work with uh, advocacy lobbying for firefighters uh, four hours away here in Raleigh. It's actually, it's pretty hard, actually. Uh, I'm fortunate to have good support from the department and uh, and my uh, my firefighters and, and my family. You know, if, if it wasn't for my family being uh, supportive, I, I couldn't do it. And, and there's a lot of mornings where I get up at 4.30 and I'm gone by 5.00. So I can be there at nine and do the work. And and uh, it does make you really appreciate the legislators and the lobbyists because it's exhausting work going around and talking to everybody and you guys, too, Colin. Yeah. I mean, I, it wears us out. And, uh, you know, we fight fires, but it's a different type of uh, of uh, energy depletion down there. Just driving in and then just the grind of everything and the emotional roller coaster of, of uh, working legislation. It, it's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Scott Mullins with the uh, Professional Firefighters of North Carolina. Uh, Thanks again, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Colin. I enjoy following your work. You're you're outstanding at your job, and uh, I really appreciate you bringing attention to this important subject. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.